And you know, it is important in life um, how we word things, how we phrase things. Welcome to the Portland Christian Center podcast. This is week one in the series, Speak Love. Now here is Pastor Nate. Come on. In in case you were concerned, Pastor Paul was not injured in the filming of that broadcast. It's going to be a great time. Hey, it's so good to see you this morning. You look great. And uh, man, PCC is the place to be, isn't it? I, uh, I just want to say also, um, man, it is just such a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, something kind of funny, Myel and I have been here three months today. Can you believe that? And uh, kind of a funny, funny thing, I'm wearing the exact same outfit I wore three months ago. Haven't worn it since, so we'll, maybe we'll pull it out every three months. We'll see how long that goes. Uh, but just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. We sure have loved getting to know so many of you. And there's so many new people. God is just on the move. It's really exciting. So just want to say thank you. Your best days are right in front of you. Amen? Amen. Amen. One thing I want to do real quick before I get too far is I just think it's so important to make sure that we, um, we pray for our, um, our friends and people that we know in Florida and the coast who have been hit by this um, horrible hurricane and Ian and all that's happening, the devastation. If you want to give to that above and your, beyond your tithes and offerings, Convoy of Hope is a ministry that our church has supported for years. They're Assemblies of God affiliated, um, but they're affiliated with all kinds of different groups. They're amazing, and they've already got semi-trucks on the ground serving food. Amazing ministry. And so would you join with me? And we're just going to pray for the people that have affected people have lost their lives, their homes, and displacement. So we're just going to pray for them. Amen? So Father, right now, we just lift up the people in Florida and the coast, Lord, in Cuba, people that don't even have power still, um, water that's been uh, displaced, God, all the different things that's happened. Father, we know that you're at work even when uh, things like this happen, tragedies happen, God. We know that you are turning all things for good, for those that love you and are called according to your purposes. So God, we pray for the families and people affected and just pray for resources to be given, Lord, and that you would do what only you can do, and that's heal, restore, and make things new. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week we finished our series, Arrows Out, and the speaker last, last week was amazing. Didn't Myel do such a great job? So proud of you. Such a great job. And I had many people come to me and say, I have to finish the rest of her story. Does anybody else remember the story? Oh, a lot of you. Okay, so we'll finish this. So uh, just to catch a few of you up, she told this story about um, Myel running 10 miles, um, and it was on the Seuss Creek Trail. And she ran, now in case you didn't know, maybe there's some of you, today is actually uh, Portland's uh, marathon. I guess there's 7,000 people running. And if you, in case you did the story, um, I, if I was doing that, I would have rollerblades and I would have a bicycle with me. That's how I would finish it, maybe. That's a long run. Well, on this particular run, so, so people are like, where'd you get the rollerblades? 
Okay, so Mael's running 10 miles. I have not trained. I don't even want to drive 10 miles. That's how much I don't like going distances. So um, she's running 10 miles. And so I ran the first loop and then I was already gassed. So I said, keep going. Well, she didn't know this. I had borrowed rollerblades from my father-in-law, Mike. Um, I had borrowed his rollerblades and they were in the trunk of the car. So I went back to the car, grabbed them, put them on, and then just about a mile in, the front wheel snapped, shot off into the trees, and I almost, I was going like this, and I caught myself in the bushes. Caught myself, you catch that? Some people would call it a fall, but I caught myself. <laughs> and, and so I said, keep going, keep going, Myel. So then I run back, and I'm not sure what I'm gonna do, and I see two people, teenagers, sitting, um, I think they were having lunch, and they had bicycles. No kidding. I went up to them and said, hey, my wife's running. I, I can't keep up with her. Can I borrow your bike? I will bring it back to you, I promise. <laughs> and one of them let me borrow their bike, no joke. I rode with her, returned the bike, and uh, that's the story of how Nate runs marathons. There you go. You're welcome. You're welcome. And you know, it is important in life um, how we word things, how we phrase things. Because the Bible teaches us, and it was so good what Miles said last week, her big idea last week, in case you forgot, was you change what you reap by changing what you sow. And what many of us don't realize is that our words are actually producing a harvest that you will inherit all the days of your life. And today we're transitioning from arrows out and it actually fits perfectly into a new series called Speak Life. Speak Life. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, Speak Life. Speak Life. And in fact, Psalms 34, 12 says, whoever of you loves life and wants to see many good days, who wants to see good days? Some of you didn't raise your hand. Let's try that again. Who wants to see good days? Who wants to love life? You ready for the first step? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. At first glance, most of us, if you were going to say, I want to have a good life, I want to see good days, you don't think first about your words. In America, you know what they usually think? You got to have the right amount of money. In other parts of the world, you have to have the right family, genealogy. To have a good life, a lot of people Christians included, don't recognize that your words are actually a lot like bricks. They are either building the life that you want, or they become like stones that are thrown and they destroy the very thing you want to build. And the lie that the enemy wants you to believe is that the words that you say don't really matter all that much. When in fact, God at the very beginning created the world, the universe, oxygen, everything in your life by a spoken word. That's right. 
no, it was not Alexa who started the first voice command. God started it. So today, we are going to begin a series, a journey, which I, I truly believe for Portland Christian Center, this is going to be foundational as we move forward because we are going to be a church that speaks life. We are going to be a church that speaks life over our families, over your marriages, over your children, over your grandkids, over the city of Portland. Even the parts you might be afraid to drive by today are going to be the parts that you're going to sit on a bench tomorrow. Some are like, are you sure? Yes. Why? Because my words are building something. What are your words building? You see, I grew up in a pastor's home all my life. And one of the things that was repeated over and over and over was this sermon series my, did, my dad did called Life Talk. And it actually, I asked him how many years, and he said he thinks he did it 32 straight years, a sermon series on it. I went online, and I searched the power of your words, speaking life, on our pcctoday.com website. And Pastor Ray Noah, who's here in the house, spoke an amazing message on it. Not once, not twice. I actually found three different times over the course of his tenure here, he spoke about it. Pastor Bill and Joy Wilson, who are here, we're so glad you're here as well. They, I've looked up sermons on them. And guess what, you guys? You've spoken great messages about the power of your words. And it started to dawn on me, why do pastors repeat this message over and over and over and over and over? And I thought, maybe it's just, you know, a Linsa thing and a Portland Christian Center thing. If you go and Google it and go on YouTube and look up sermons, you will find more content on this subject than you can ever practice in a lifetime. So the problem is not information, it's actually transformation. We have probably all heard something in our life that says, oh, watch what you say. We've all had our spouse say, hey, you shouldn't talk like that. If you have a spouse, sorry, students. Someday you will. We've all had people say, you shouldn't say that. We've all had those things in our lives. But I think one of the struggles for all of us is because we don't see it instantaneously, we forget what the Bible warns us about the very words you speak. In Proverbs, it says this. This should be a warning to all of us. Death and life are in the power of? We all know it. You didn't even have to look at the screen. We all know it. And those who love it, what will they do? Eat of its fruit. In other words, there's always fruit with what you say. It just de it depends on what you want to taste. Do you want to taste good fruit or bad fruit? Watch what you say, and you will reap the harvest of the words that you sow. All of us are responsible for what comes out of our lives. And today, I want to 
highlight this with one of my favorite passages. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Numbers chapter 13. Go ahead and go there. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV today. And um, this Bible, it's kind of funny. Um, how many of you have a Bible that was given to you by somebody else? Anybody have a Bible that was given? That's awesome. I have, I have a few of those. I kind of chuckled today. Um, this Bible I've had since 2001. Um, it's obviously been used. And I was looking at it today, and I read, who gave me this Bible? You want to know who gave me this Bible? Yep. Myself. <laughs> I literally wrote, presented to Nate Linseth. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. When you're in college, you do things that don't make sense. But I gave this Bible to myself. So it's an important Bible, just so you know. And it's out of the NIV today. And we're picking up the story in Numbers chapter 13. And in, in case you're not sure what, what has all transpired, Moses and the children of Israel have gone out of slavery, out of Egypt. God has done amazing things all along this journey. He's provided miracles. He's part of the seas. He's given them food called manna. He's given them water. He's protected them. He's healed them. And he promised them that he would take them into a good and spacious land flowing with milk and honey. A beautiful place, spacious, exactly where you want to live. It's the street of dreams. Maybe it's just like West Lynn. I don't know. Beautiful area. I love West Lynn. I live in Tigard. I love Tigard. I live in Portland. Love Portland. This is a good and spacious land. Did you know that? Yes. Some of us are having a hard time agreeing with what I'm saying. <laughs> Life talk. Do you know what faith is? Speaking to the things that are not as though they are. If you're going to wait for things to change before you say it, you're going to wait a long time. We need to start speaking life. Why? Because God tells us to. So the children of Israel are on the precipice of experiencing this brand new land. They're about to enjoy it. And this is what happens, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, who's speaking? Sorry, say it with me. Who's speaking? The Lord. There we go. The Lord is speaking. Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. Now, it says right there, God was speaking, and he said, I am giving you the land. It's a gift. God says it's yours. That's pretty good. Now I want you to skip down. And for sake of time, we're going to pick up in verse 26. So the spies have gone into the land, and they come back. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community, community at Kadesh and the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and then to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. Okay, stop right there. So far, so good. So far, you're winning. You are agreeing with God. Everything that he said is happening. It's all coming true. But watch out, especially with your language. If God says something and you use just three letters, it's dangerous. But watch out for buts. 
But, but, this is a big but, but the people, come on, it's okay to laugh. Some of you are like, I want to laugh so bad, but I don't know if I should. It's okay to laugh. (laughs) But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. That doesn't sound very good, does it? I want to ask you a question. Has God lied about anything so far? Nothing that the spies have reported has been contradictory to what God promised. The same thing is true in your life. Just because there's opposition doesn't mean you're not in the will of God. In fact, I would argue if you're actually not facing some sort of opposition, you may be going the wrong way. There are so many things in my life that when I'm following God, doesn't make it easy. He says, I'll be with you. I'm for you. You are more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And then when you overcome those battles or things, you know what ends up happening? Yeah! Victory! And what happens? You have more confidence. You become more mature. You become more like Jesus. Greater is he that's in you, PCC, than he that's in the world. I believe that Portland Christian Center is full of Caleb and Joshua's. Verse 30 says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. That's the type of people we are. We are building the kingdom of God, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Not on our watch. Not on our watch. That's who we are. My family will serve God. My marriage will make it. My finances will, will thrive. I got fired last week. I got a better job coming next week. The words that you speak tell who, you're, who you agree with. Will you agree with God? Will you agree with what he says? Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't. Ooh, even just saying that words, those words drive me nuts. We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Wow. Wow. I feel like all I can say is, wow, how sad. On the verge of their miracle, on the verge of everything God promised them, on the verge of a life that they've always wanted, they could not agree with God. They couldn't agree with him. Some did, but the rest couldn't. Speaking life, this is our big idea if you're taking notes, is simply this. Speaking life is aligning your words with God's word. 
aligning my words with God's word. All of us should be writing this down. This is a great time to take your phone out, put it on your notes if you want, silence your phone, perfect time. All of those things. Why, why is that so important? Because oftentimes I don't even know it, but the words I say don't agree with what God's saying. Fear, doubt, unbelief. I can't. All of that is the language of death talk. But God says I can. God says he's with me. God calls me a mighty conqueror in Romans. God says all these things about me. Who do I agree with? You see, the children of Israel, as you look through this story, it's pretty amazing. God said what? I'm giving you the land, right? I'm giving you the land. Do you realize what they've come through? Miracle after miracle. It's amazing. Pharaoh lets them go and gives them the plunder as they go. They go to a sea. They're going to die. Oh, no, God parts the sea. Miracle. Then the army that's chasing them swallowed up by the water. Another miracle. We're, dra- we're, we're starving, manna. We need water. Water. We're sick. I'll heal you. And they come to the very thing. One of the most important theological terms you need to write down is this word um, immutability. Immutability. God is immutable. What does that mean? He does not change. So when you see miracles in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you hear stories even in the past five years or last week, you got to realize the same God who did that is the same God who can do it today. He's not changing. The reason you can speak life in the face of adversity is because you have a God who can do the impossible in all situations. So you align your words with what God actually says. So the question, this is one of the most, um, I I don't even know, I don't want to overstate it, but it's a pretty big question. What stopped the Israelites from getting to the promised land at this point? Was it Pharaoh? Was it water? Was it plagues? Was it starvation? Was it armies? It was simply their words. Do you realize so much of your life, the things that will stop you, are just the words that you say. Speaking life will build a life that I believe God has for you and the life that you want to live. The question is, will I align my words with God's word? What are you aligning your words with? When I was a kid, one of my favorite things, I don't know why, does anybody else here like to take things apart just to see if well they work and you can put it back together? Yeah, I was one of those. I don't know why. I just would take things apart. So one of the things I took apart was my bicycle. Now you see where this is going, don't you? And so I took this apart, and my grandfather, my, my mom's dad was a mechanic, and he loved to um, help me build different things. In fact, my very, very first car, we worked on it together to get it running. Um, so anyways, loved that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm playing mechanic on my bicycle, and I clean it all, and I go out for a ride, and it's running beautifully. Well, I look down, and as I'm going down the hill pretty fast, I notice that my front tire is out of alignment. And it starts going like this. And the whole thing's shaking. Now, most people, 
would slow down and kind of stop and examine the bicycle and see what could possibly be wrong. Not me, the rollerblading uh, bicycle riding daredevil that I am. I decide to do a little wheelie to see if everything's okay. <laughs> I'm going pretty fast. My wheel is completely out of alignment. And as I lift up the wheel just like this, or the, the, I'm sorry, the, the handlebars like this, I, I'm looking down and I see my tire roll right out in front of me. <laughs> and I go straight down, boom. And it, it catapulted me over my, my handlebars and I landed on my like back and shoulder and it was one of the most like jarring, thudding, just like it was just, it was just a complete disaster. And so I roll for a little bit, and I'm like laying there, and my bike is somewhere in the, I don't even know where it went. And the only thing I could say at this young age of my life is, Mom! And I just lay there crying, Mom! Okay, come on, anybody else yell for Mom when you're a little? All right, I'm not the only one. I'm like, Mom! Mom! And she finally comes out of the house and puts Band-Aids on me. And after further examination, uh, there's like this little really important thing. Uh, it's like a little um, bearing sleeve that I completely left out. I found it in the garage. That was it. Oftentimes, it's the little things that make the biggest difference. Oftentimes, it's the little words that make the biggest impact. Oftentimes, it's the words that not everyone hears that causes the biggest problem. You see, in Numbers 13.32, it says, And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. What? devours them? All the people we saw there are of great size. Wow. And by one spread of a lie, an entire generation missed the promised land, except for Caleb and Joshua. God has a destiny for you. My question for you is this. Will you agree with what he says? Will you agree with what God's saying about this church? Because aligning my words with God's word, you know what's crazy about that? That doesn't just impact, impact, impact me. It impacts my kids. A whole generation misses the promised land because they could not simply agree with God. In the Bible, there's many characters who God spoke over and nobody else agreed with, and yet it still happened. One of my favorites is a guy named David. Probably heard of him. He's a, he became the king. One of the funniest things about David is that Saul, uh, or Samuel shows up to anoint the boys, find out who's the next king. He shows up and Jesse says, he says, Jesse, give me your, bring your sons, bring your sons. And I'm going to tell you who the next king of Israel is. David didn't even get invited. 
I mean, talk about a chance to get offended. All the boys come in, and, and, and uh, Samuel's like, do you have any other sons? He's like, well, I got my youngest out back. He's with the sheep. Bring him in. And what does he say? God looks at the, man looks at the outward appearance, but God judges the what? The heart. And he shows up, most scholars believe he was between 10 and 15 years old. Now here's the thing. He gets anointed as king. God says, you're going to be the next king. He didn't become king till he was 30. And there were many times throughout that whole time that he thought, there's no way I'm going to be the next king. But he stayed faithful, he obeyed, and he spoke life. If you read through Psalms, you will see that David will complain, he'll argue, he'll struggle, but then he'll come back over and over and over and over. And he says, my God shall supply. My God can. He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. Surely, and goodness, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Who's saying that? David. He learned the secret. You agree with God before you see it. You agree with God before you see it. So how can we grow in speaking life? The first thing is this. Even agree with God even if you don't see it. One of my favorite passages is Joel 3.10. You know what it says? Let the weak say I am strong. Every time, every time I lift weights, come on. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the weak say I am strong. The flesh wants to say, you're not strong. Just give me time. Just watch what happens. When I was, uh, I think I was about 21, 22 years old. I have already shared this, so this is new news to you. You can watch it. Actually, I think I shared the first sermon. Um, I, was, I, had a, a, I was, was addicted to pornography. Eight years, couldn't shake it. It was awful. Wrecked my life, wrecked my mind. Best, worst, best day of my life was getting caught. Forced me to have to deal with it. So I went, got counseling, went prayer, and I fought, and I had um, all these different things, and um, God absolutely set me free and touched me. But here's the thing that a lot of people don't say in testimonies. Temptation still happens. We forget that Jesus was tempted and yet was without sin, it says. So one night, yes, Siri, we'll try again. So one night, <laughs> one night, so one more time, we'll silence our phones one more time. <laughs> so one night, I'm, I'm at home. I'm all by myself. I'm in my little, uh, it was like a, a little apartment thing, a townhome. And I remember all of a sudden the temptation to go back to the sin, the Bible calls it like a dog returning to its vomit, was so real, so intense, and I was struggling. And I heard, and, and it was like, I couldn't, I can't really describe it to you. It was, it, it was, it was like, 
it definitely was a spiritual battle. I could feel the weight of sin and darkness crouching in. And I heard the Holy Spirit, this was the weirdest thing I've ever heard, say, shout a verse from the Bible. Shout it. And at first I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm all by myself. But the temptation was worse, worse. And the Lord brought me back to when Jesus was tempted, he quoted scripture at Satan. And so I started shouting Bible verses into the air. I know, kind of crazy, right? Oh, good. Some of us are getting it now. I started shouting Bible verses into a room that was empty physically and just me. But what I did not realize is I had no idea there was a spiritual battle in my room. And I began to quote verses after verses after verses. You see, the truth is some of us need to recognize how powerful the word of God really is. So I began to quote verses like, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And then I said, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And I shouted about just for like 20 seconds, 30 seconds. And then I stopped and the temptation was completely gone, completely gone. And I learned right there that one of the best ways to fight a battle is to just quote scripture. The second way you can grow in speaking life is to actually know what God says, but quote it. Quote scripture. Quote the word of God. When was the last time you memorized scripture? When was the last time you memorized scripture? Not like, I don't know when the last time it was for you, for me, um, we get the privilege of having our kids bring verses all the time, and we quote them over and over and over and over. Over and over and over. Why? Because speaking life is aligning my words to God's word. And if I don't know what God's saying, how can I align my words to what he's saying? I want to challenge you for two things real simply. Take a negative fast in what you're saying and memorize the scripture verse this week. Try it. I dare you. See what happens. A few years ago, actually it was quite a year now, there was a man, before he became a Christian, he was raised in a single parent home. His mom did the best that she could. And one day when he was about nine or 10 years old, a bus drove by there, a little house, and picked him up and took him to Sunday school. Week after week after week, this little boy would go to church and he struggled with all kinds of things, acting out, not speaking life for sure. His home was messed up, and he had no idea what the future was for his life. But this little church, it kept sowing seeds of life into this boy. Mentor after mentor kept speaking into him. Next thing you know, he gets into junior Bible quiz, and he memorizes almost the entire New Testament. And to this day, you can talk to him and he'll still quote much, much of it. Now fast forward, I believe it's over 40 years later, he's now the pastor of that church. His name's Troy Jones, he's the pastor of New Life Church in Renton where my wife grew up. And when I asked him this, he said, the most transforming thing in my life was memorizing scripture. Because the truth is, all of us are inundated with messages, 
that are contrary to God's word. How about this? Experiences. Someone said something about you that wasn't true, that hurt deeply. And we all have a choice with what we will say about what was done to us. Will you choose life? What blocks will you pick? Because the truth is when someone hurls a brick at you, you know what you could do? Throw it back. Or forgive them and do what the enemy meant for evil. God's going to turn it for good. If I could have the worship team come up, that'd be awesome. How many of us have heard of a guy named Jerry Rice? Who's heard of Jerry Rice? He's a wide receiver for the 49ers. I forgive you 49er fans. Go Hawks. Anyways. He was once asked how he became such a great wide receiver. And he said his dad was a mason. And when he would go up on roofs, he would toss the bricks down to him and he had to catch them. He became one of the best wide receivers ever because he had the best hands. Satan's trying to destroy you. God's turning it for good. The greatest adversary in your life is actually propelling you into something better, bigger, and more generous than you ever thought. The trick of the enemy is to get you to blame God for what is happening in your life, but actually if you will just trust him and agree with him, everything the enemy's throwing at you will simply be just one more brick to build the life that God has for you. The last and final point, as the worship team comes off, the only way that this is possible, you can't change your words if you don't change your heart. Heart check. The Bible tells us, Luke 6, 45, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces the evil things, the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. If I could everyone stand with me, if you're able, that'd be great. What you say flows from what's in your heart. Would you close your eyes with me for a moment? Just put your hands on your heart. I, I, I love how David would say things like this. Search me, O God. Know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Father, right now, I just pray that you would do what only you could do. In Ezekiel, you said that you would turn the hearts of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Father, right now, for people, I just feel like the Holy Spirit saying, people that have had word curses said over them, lies said over them, things that they believed about them, God, you're giving them a better word today. I feel like that one of the words some, some people have been hearing is that you are stupid, that you're mentally incapable. The, God says that is a lie. That is a lie. That is a lie. He's giving you the mind of Christ. A better word. A better word. Portland Christian Center, if you could just keep your hand on your heart and look at me with your eyes just for a moment. Just look at, your, look at me with your eyes. I don't know how else you'd look at me, but with your eyes. When people say there's no hope for Portland, I want to commission you to say this. Jesus is building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. When I see arguing and fighting and destruction in my house, 
or on the streets or at Walmart. I'm going to say people are the prize. John 3:16. for God so loved the world, he gave his one only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. If you look at your city and you see destruction, 2 Chronicles 7:14. if my people will pray, will humble themselves and seek my face, will I not hear from heaven and heal their land? There is hope for this city. There is hope for your family. There is hope because we're agreeing with what heaven says. Portland is God's city. Portland is poised for revival. And God's not done with us yet. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would stir in our hearts a better word, Jesus. A better word, Jesus. We're going to sing this song, A Better Word. And as you do, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will do what only he could do. He will soften, melt your heart, mold your heart so that the words that come out of your mouth will be in alignment with God's. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for a live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.